there, my name's Willie Russo and you're listening to Interview with an Artist, the weekly show where we speak with a range of art world players. You are going to laugh and maybe even shed a tear with this episode. My guest this week, Sarita King, almost fell into painting. Her late father was the highly respected artist, William King Jungala, a man from the Gurindji clan. Before he died in 2007, he passed on to Sarita and her sister Therese his love of art, community and storytelling. Sarita lives in Garamilla or Darwin with her partner and her two young children, painting among the chaos of family life. With a career as a professional artist spanning almost 15 years, Sarita's work is held in collections around the world. In today's interview with an artist, we chat about how Sarita left behind her journalism degree and embarked on a career as a professional artist. We talk about the magic man, Keith, <laughs> Sarita's manager who also works with her sister, Therese. We talk about the tight-knit bond that Sarita, Therese and Keith have and the value of the community they have built around them and how Sarita loves her galleries so much and how deep the relationship really is with them. You can catch Sarita's work on Instagram at Sarita King Artist. Now enjoy meeting the effervescent Sarita King. This the recording system does this thing called health checks, and okay. um, it's just like it's doing um, it's checking the bandwidth on your end, the bandwidth oh. on my end, that kind of. Oh, thing. I thought you were like really seriously into your COVID stuff, and was like, <laughs> "Damn, all right, girl." <laughs> <laughs> even through the camera <laughs> you never can be too worried apparently <laughs> oh my god Serena <laughs> um, well thank you so much for joining us Sarita King you come from a very talented family uh, yeah I guess so <laughs> your dad your sister when did you start painting um I started painting when I was I've got to be like 17. So I left high school and moved to Adelaide. I kind of was dabbling a bit before then on holidays and stuff, but that was more just to hang out with my dad and my sister in the studio. Uh, But yeah, at 17, I was just spending more time around the studio and yeah, it all went from there basically. And you started studying, but then you were like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm going to have a bit of a hiatus and then did you kick into like full-time artist life then? Well, it was really weird because like, so I was studying journalism and I guess what the phase that I was in was really team orientated and I was finding myself more on the road and never being able to there to contribute. And then with journalism, like you have to, you're like, oh, don't be biased, whatever, but you have to choose a, not a side, but you have to put your own spin on it. I'm like, I don't understand how that correlates. I'm going to be biased because I'm just proper opinionated as it is. So it was like, oh, no, maybe this isn't for me. And then, yeah, just art slowly took over everything really. And I was just on the road and, yeah. That's amazing. At at what point did you realise, okay, I can make this like my career? Obviously you saw your dad have the career and your older sister yeah, well, me and my sister kind of came online career-wise at the same time because my father passed away and he was really um, in the studio with my sister kind of in that handing over period of teaching her all his styles and um, his techniques and the, his um, 
stories behind the artwork and how to produce them. And I was just kind of there just soaking it up. But I had a lot more uh, fluidity in my creations because I didn't, he wasn't, I guess, uh, I wasn't his apprentice, she was. Um, but I still took his teachings and learnings and when did I know it was going to be full time was basically when he was like, oh, I'm not going on the road anymore. You go with Keith, who's our manager, even to this day, um, you go out and you can speak on our behalf. Like it was like, oh, I didn't realize I was doing this, but yeah. And then when he passed away, like there was just a, I guess a huge hole in all of our hearts and we kind of filled his our lives with his memory via painting. And then that's where it was just went from strength to strength. In 2009, you were asked to exhibit in Paris. Were you like freaking out? <laughs> it's so weird. It's being so visual. I just think of my hairstyle back then. <laughs> what like, was yes, your hairstyle? Really freaking out. <laughs> I know I had short hair. I know that much. I know it was at the time. I was like, Oh yeah, cool. Maybe I'm just really relaxed. It was, I think I look back at the opportunity a lot more with, or and wow then I probably did at the time I was just excited to get out overseas and be traveling with my sister and I don't really look like look back that much but that was pretty cool I guess yeah like how, how did it come about I don't know this is the great thing about management you gotta just rock up um and we were painting and we were like interacting with all the people there that we could I guess because they were speaking French and we were just painting on the floor at this like amazing um I don't know it wasn't even a gallery it was more like a museum like and there was like all these Dalis down the down the way so we're gonna have a like have a break and walk down there and look at all these amazing sculptures it's one of those things I guess you're young you don't really grasp how amazing it really was and now I'm old and can't travel <laughs> all I can think of is it's baguettes and croissants. <laughs> <laughs> you are not old. Can I just say you are not old? <laughs> I've been doing this for a long time, really. I don't. I don't feel that. I don't feel old, but I definitely have other responsibilities now that I can't just be like, bye. Yeah, you've got a young family. I do. They're so cool. My um, youngest turned three yesterday. They are just so cool. Oh. they're just so amazing yeah two little boys two little boys and how has that shifted the view of how you view your art oh I've got to be more careful now because it's more hands to mess it up it's not just me mainly like I used to always paint on the floor and now that just became not an option for the last five years had to move on to a desk um I just they're not overly that interested in what I do to be honest um they're just like my sideshow where they grab my attention and give me a break every now and oh me a break but interrupt me a lot it's it's when it's one of those things I'm sure I'll look back and be like wow that's that next generation coming through if they want to be artists that is but like I think for them it just gives us a lifestyle that is immeasurable really like the time I get to spend with them and the flexibility I have from working from home like having the studio at home and being able to spend that time, like, I'll never be able to be more thankful for my career than in this moment, I think. Yeah. And if you do look back over the last few years of your artistic practice, what are some of the highlights for you? Just connecting, I guess, COVID's thrown a bit of a spanner in the works. Um, It's pushed us a bit more online, obviously not being able to get out to the galleries, but like my early career, I was on the road 
every week for a long time and that, that's why I think our relationship with our galleries are so strong is because they know me. I know all the people that work in there. They carry our – I say our, sorry, you'll, you'll be like, what are you talking about? But that's just I talk about me and my sister kind of collectively. The, the galleries really carry our stories with care. Like they know us, they love us. It's always been this amazing interaction. And I think we're very open people so I think they feel that connection too. So I feel like we're in good hands there. But with, with COVID over the last few years, haven't been able to get out there, which has been, it's been challenging, but it's got those amazing moments. We're lucky we live, we've got space at home. We've got the wildness of, you know, lizards in the yard. And Darwin's very, very isolated in the way where, you know, we have hardly been touched by it. So it's been cool to be able to just not have almost anything on the horizon. But I have seen social media has really picked up and the desire, I guess, from people buying and wanting to reach out and wanting to talk to artists, I've seen that increase huge over the last year. So that's been an interesting transition for me, wrapping my head all around that. But um, Yeah, how have you found it? Um, I've seen some really cool benefits. Like I, like I love to talk, and but I also am very mindful of bombarding people. But then at the same time... I don't know, I just, you know, you go on there and you see people that are doing it so well or people that have just kind of popped up on the Aboriginal art scene and they've got, like, followers of, you know, tens of thousands and you're like, who are you kind of thing. Like, I know that sounds really rude, but, like, I when I started, I started, like, in the time of, like, the Masters, you know, like Kubiji and um, Minis and all these amazing um elders that were painting these beautiful traditional stories and like for me like they just the 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 artwork sung to my soul let alone being able to sometimes meet these artists and interact with them and now it's like oh but how many followers do you have and it's like oh where's like (laughs) and uh, I think that's been really hard for me because I just I still am so in that gallery mode yeah that's been weird I know it's 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 so weird because you can't you can't you can't compare, but you can't help it with social media almost like it's like an in your face resume of everybody. I don't know, and when you've yeah. been in the industry as long as I have, <laughs> it is it's it's been an interesting learning curve, but it's been really good in other ways. Um, it's allowed me to, like I say, connect with more people across the world. Are you like twenty? You are you twenty years of painting? Well, no, I'm not that old, goodness. Um, <laughs> but I will be soon now, well, I guess. It's like... Um, or was it more like 15? Yeah, it's about 15 years 15 now. 15 years, okay. Yeah. So, and how did, how did you get a manager? Was the manager your dad's and did you and your sister kind of... <laughs> my- <laughs> so my dad was like the biggest human cyclone you could ever meet. You kind of like accidentally walked around him and he'd just suck you into this energy of his that he would just start talking and this guy just started as his friend um just probably introduced by friends of friends and then like Keith was it was a um weightlifter who then I guess had a lot of time between trainings and would spend time in the studio and my dad probably never shut up and then it was like this is the thing he just made you fall in love with the art the story the connection and then it was like, oh, look, I can't, I'd, I'd rather paint today. Can you go and deliver these to this gallery? 
and Keith had the time and then that's where that relationship was born and then for us it was just like I said one day dad was like oh Keith's going to Melbourne you should take some of your works just head head across and I was like oh cool I like I'll sit in the car for four hours what, what is it eight hours or something and that's all how it began and you in Adelaide at that point were you yeah down, we were in Adelaide yeah, okay. at that point um and Keith was based in Melbourne and then that's just where that's where it started for us and we kind of created a little team around us and then when dad passed it was a bit like make or break you know do we let this thing go or do we and we all just kind of like lent in and it and it was really really hard and we've tried so many so many things over the years as a dynamic little group and my sister's got like 7000 kids I've got two Keith's now got one but like even in those moments where somebody drops off the radar the other people just lean in. So, you know, we've been so lucky to foster that. And then you add that extra layer of the galleries who have always supported us and, you know, we've been really lucky to have a staple of galleries that buy up front and they're the ones that keep us going. And that's that's how we've gotten through the last 15 years and we're going from strength to strength. And we've always been really dynamic, but some of these, some opportunities came up too early. And if they came around now, they'd be amazing, but they just, you know, didn't hit at the right times. And, but it's been, yeah, we're really, really fortunate. And in so many ways, it mirrors my whole dad's philosophy around art. You know, it's about the community. It's about bringing people in. And we're kind of like that. We're like a little family. And then the gallery network has been our little community. And now we're like stretching out again, connecting out further with social media. It's, yeah, it's been a, it's been a real, it's like I said, I don't really reflect on stuff and now you're making me, and I'm just like <laughs> going to sit here with a big old smile on my face thinking about, God, we've come so far. You have come, you seriously have, right? Like I was reading one of your galleries. You're one of the highest selling artists. I think it's the Kate Owen gallery. Yeah. And you're so right. You were doing this all before social media right like it, it, it's so weird because Keith was said to me just like last week he was like you know that you're like the most clicked through gal- like artist on the or and the top of three clicked through artists on their website and I was just like what <laughs> like uh, here I am just pottering around you know talking pe- talking to people connecting out like yeah sharing some photos and you hear it like that you're like wow okay so I'm going to assume that social media in the gallery sphere Yes, it's a little bit in the bucket, you know, but the pool is a lot deeper. You know, like there are people that are obviously just skip, couldn't care less how many likes you are. Or maybe people just know my name, probably because I've been like whispering it in their ear at night and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Sarita. <laughs> Don't forget me. <laughs> oh, that is gold. Oh, my God, that is so gold. Um. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your work in terms of the process. Are you uh, sort of, okay, wait for inspiration to hit paint or are you like, I have to get in the studio today, the boys are quiet for an hour, I've got to get some work done? <laughs> I wish that was a, the boys are quiet for an hour. You caught me on a good day. So Thursdays and Fridays, they're both at school or daycare, so I'm, that's my power days. I I always, I'm very process driven. So I love to have my list there. I know what I'm working through. My artworks all have a process. Um, and that's what kind of keeps me driving through. Um, and that's one of the beauties of also having a manager. He lets me know every gallery's desire. I'm not taking phone calls from galleries 
it's just all there laid out for me. Um, so when I come into the studio, my time is 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 super focused. Yep, yeah, super focused. I know what's up. That's how. That's how I. It, just as a person, I'm like that though too. Everything's me about lists and you know structure and getting to things. I mean, I'm a bit. And I know when I'm out, I'm a bit out of it because I'll be just, you know, like procrastinating or tidying 7,000 toys or something instead. Um, and that's when I usually know that the thing at the top of the list I've, I'm dreading doing. So, <laughs> Oh, what's an example of a thing at the top of the list that you dread? Oh, sometimes it's just backgrounds of the ancestors. They are so, so um, intense. They're very... They're very, like, relaxing, but there's just a lot of dot work to get through, and especially, like, the gallery we're talking about, Kate Owens, they usually like to have a very large piece of mine on in their stock. So it's always amazing when I get that phone call, like, oh, did you know that Kate Owens sold your two-and-a-half by 1.8-metre ancestors? I'm like, oh, that's amazing, but my soul dies a little bit on the inside, like, oh, my God. I have to finish off that next background, you know, like I hope it's in the right colour ranges, you know, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> But that would probably be something that I procrastinate on, but I shouldn't really because it's something I can just sit and do at any stage. It's not, it's, I've done it for so many years now. That's what also I've also noticed that as I get, uh, as the styles kind of hit their developmental kind of where they're going to be, everything just flows a lot easier. Um, it's the early days that take the time and the second guessing of a of a new inspiration that I find more hard, but at the same time easier because I'm excited. I'm very excited and got all these ideas that probably ninety nine percent of them don't work, but that's where it can take up a bit of time. Like when you say you know the stories to tell and stories of your people and stories of the land. Is there a favourite theme that you keep coming back to, or is it just so expansive that you find yourself not not returning to certain themes or stories oh so I've got like I've probably got about 10 different stories that I tell and then in those there's different um color ranges that represent the land and I it's one of those weird things where yeah I can get into a work mode and sometimes I just sit with the finished artwork and go oh I actually really needed that and sometimes it's like a big lightning when we're up here and we haven't had rain for a week and I've just been sweating and sweating and it's like oh I can't wait for that feeling of that storm that electricity in the air to come through or so I and now with not being able to move around I feel it a bit more so like if I finish a dry season ancestors oh they just give me this real warmth and feel of just driving through the middle of Australia and um, even there's a beautiful a beautiful kind of scape on the way to Catherine because we can kind of pop down there if you say and it's all this deep reds and yellows of the dry because we usually go in the dry season and they just feel like home to me so but then at the same time I finish an artwork and it's very bright and vibrant and it can really make me go oh that's beautiful and I have to take a lot of photos of that and look at that even like though I've done that color range many times it's yeah it's still there's lots of artworks that I still that still give me that buzz and it's actually more about my feeling at the time rather than something I try to gravitate towards or try to produce more of at some stage. It's a nice surprise, I guess, a mixed bag. In terms of your gallery representation, are you abroad as well? Are you being stocked internationally? Uh, There's a few little places internationally. Um, I think this is the manager's 
Man, Keith would know this. Keith, um, yeah, Keith, chime in. Where are you? Um, well, he's actually in Armenia at the moment, um, juggling our next kind of adventure into sculpture and stuff. So, oh, what? Uh, yeah, what I know is that it? we've got a gallery that sells our artwork in Armenia because he goes there. But we have had outlets in London. I don't know whether they. This is one of the wor- the worst problem we have is being able to keep up with demand. Uh, there's only so much that we can do and unfortunately it does shut down those new avenues when our galleries at the moment are running hot. You know, we can't, we don't have access to be able to go and place on consignment with overseas and then obviously the barriers of not being able to get there. But, yeah. Keith in Armenia. <laughs> yeah, I know. So this is this is where it comes back to his weightlifting. It was... It's so strange that he was weightlifting and he did a lot of training over there. So he spent a lot of time over there. And a lot of his weightlifting friends all became like artisans, but like metal workers, like jewellery, like designing and making jewellery. And so now we've branched into sculpture and getting our designs into these massive like outdoor sculptures or coolamons for the house, like for your wall or for your table. And so he's like not only managing us as artists over here, but getting our designs over there and making sure that the artisans over there are representing them beautifully. Like, (laughs) I know, I know. In COVID, I'm just going to step off to deep Russia. Like, what? (laughs) Oh, my God. I feel like Keith has a whole world of stories himself as well, right? Can you imagine, like, going 15-year-old Keith, guess what? You're going to be a weightlifter and then an international (laughs) Indigenous art manager. Like, (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I've never even thought about it that way. This is Keith, the guy that I ring at, like, the wrong time. Oh, sorry, are you asleep? (laughs) I've had an idea. Listen to me now. Poor guy. Talk to me. Talk to me, Keith. Yeah, he's, like, he's definitely an extension of um of the family. This is like my like my left arm or something. He's, yeah, but that's where, that's where, that's where I guess we've that, that another just another band of the community that we've kind of embraced. Yeah, it's funny. In all the artists I've spoken to, you're the first one to have a manager. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how professional of me. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at you, Serena <laughs> King. I'm so fancy like that. That's just always been the way. I think I'm a team. I am definitely a team player by nature. Yes, you're uh, a gun netballer. Do you play oh, netball for the state? I did when I was younger, yeah. Oh, my God. Serena King, yeah. is there anything you can't do? Please tell me you're a bad cook. Like, uh, or are you actually a really good cook? <laughs> no, I'm not a I'm, – I'm a person that I can get it done and it's, really, it's tasty, but I yeah. – my partner also is is a fiery, so he's got he's around a lot, so he does a lot of the cooking, okay. um, just because he's about. It's just more of a time thing. Yeah, yeah, and I have to eat it, even though he doesn't know how to use spices. But that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, honey. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah. I gave you a plug, babe, for your great cooking. <laughs> um, you're very driven. Where does that come from? Um, uh, I would have to say my mum on that one. Well, my, so my mum is a English immigrant, middle child, so always had to work hard for that attention, I assume. And she is now a like a very high-level politician in the Territory. 
But once again, team player on every committee, getting everything done, managing all of us, pushing all of us in the right direction, there for homework, playing netball in the afternoons. Like she's always been like that. So maybe I get it from her. But also my partner is very, very motivated. Like he makes me feel slack. Oh, so, gosh. Okay. Yeah. Like he does not sit still and it makes me feel proper guilty around the house. But I think that's the nature of working from home and having somebody else that's around a lot. Like he does a lot of stuff because he's around, whereas I'm actually working. But I, you know, carry that guilt of maybe I should have cleaned up. But then he's yeah. already done it. He's already done it. <laughs> yeah. So mate, I think it's a combination of that. But then I must say from my, dad, from my dad's point of view, he, when he worked, he was a worker like he he would often take lots of time off but when he was in the studio he was in the studio like you had to bring food to him kind of thing he'd call you at two in the morning and be like oh are you awake what why would I be awake first of all and can can you take me to get a feed I'm like why are you awake oh I'm just working like that's the way he he was and I can I get like that when Chad's on night shift I stay up a bit late and get what I need to get done so all about that schedule. Can you remember the first piece you sold? Yes, and that was to that, um, on that first trip I went with um, Keith across to Melbourne, I sold, that was we were displaying Dad's works and then a customer came in at the same time and bought a couple of mine. And that was kind of like the welcome to the gallery because I knew what we had just been discussing on how much they would buy them for and then I saw it sold in front of my eyes for X times the price and I know that a lot of people get you know frustrated about that and you know think oh the artists get nothing in my situation that's not the case because I've got a manager that looks after all of that I'm also very aware like if I'm standing next to an artwork and see the price there I don't want someone to come up and ask me how much I get of that and don't believe me people ask you and it's just do they ask oh yeah mind-boggling you know, like, would I? do you think that I would stand next to this artwork and happily tell you the story and connect with you if I wasn't happy with how much I was getting out of that artwork if it sold? Like, it's crazy what goes through people's mind. I think it's the Aboriginal art market, though. Everyone thinks that they're your saviour. Mm. Like, they think that every artist's been mistreated or something along, along the way and, oh, I really want to support the artist but they don't realise that the galleries have been supporting the artist for like tens of fifteens of hundreds of years, you know, like, but that's, yeah. I think that's actually one of the downsides of social media that people can feel it's easy enough to talk to you about getting something uh, yeah. like they kind of want to go direct. And then they also some, most of the time want a discount, but they don't realise that they've actually taken up, you know, like a lot of your time in discussing with them. So there's time gone from creation and then they want a discount and then they say, but it's for you. Like, you know, they're doing it for I'm you. doing you a favour. You. Like yeah. you're going to get more of the money, but it's like, but you've actually taken up this amount of time. Like the I cannot spruik enough the value in galleries. I just can't. I love my gallery network. I love the people that work there. And I don't have to hire them <laughs> or pay for their rent. So I think that they are worth every cent that they make and the way they share my stories and get out there into their communities and bring jobs into other communities to me is way more important than you coming and supporting me directly 
kind of thing. Like I've got enough friends that can come direct. I don't need other new friends. <laughs> I love that. And I love that. And I wonder, like your connections with your galleries have been years in the making, right? Like they're really deep relationships. And also there's Keith in there as well, who's like, so it's, again, you, as you kind of keep saying, there's this community of you all working for the same great outcome. Well, there, and that's, and that's where, yeah, this new wave of uh, like social media artists has kind of come and like shoved us from the side because we can't, we can't ignore that new stream, but we also can't be distracted by that or swept up in what's that thing follows and stuff because ultimately we have been building this base for so long that that's way more important than a couple of thousand followers that maybe somebody paid for. I don't know. You can, you just yeah. don't know. Like I know that the people that follow um, us on Instagram are just, it's all about quality. We're pretty authentic, poor things. <laughs> They're there for the madness <laughs> as well as the art. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what do you do to get out of a creative funk? I switch styles. Or I just, or I just go out and do something. I get mad FOMO for my, my, cause my um, partner's on the shift work. He's always taking the boys out. And if I just can't do the artwork, I'll just go out and do what they're doing. Whether it be, you know, like swimming with the crocodiles or going and chasing down the slide somewhere. Um, we do, we do a lot together as a family and I feel like there's only a small amount of time for that. So if I just, am not feeling work, I'll do that and I'll get busy at work, you know, later I'll catch up somewhere in the week. But it's really easy to switch styles for me because I've always got something on the list that's different that if I'm just really, really trudging through an artwork, I can just kind of renew myself and go on to something different. Yeah. Who's your biggest fan? I have to say Chad is because he's, like, supported me when I was proper crusty, like, you know, like (laughs) proper living that real artist commune styles. But now I'm getting older I cannot thank like my friends enough. And I think it's one of those things where people say, oh, you know, how's everything going? And you're like, yeah, good. I never am a person that go into depth of the stuff I'm doing, the exhibitions or going to Paris or whatever I used to do back in the day. I've never just been the person that kind of openly talks about what what's happening in the work realm because, you know, they get so jealous of me. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Sarita, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> this girl's cut it off. But um, now I'm getting older and the social media, they get to see a lot more of my work side of it. And I can't believe how many of them now, we're all moving into buying houses and having kids. You know, they're buying the shirts for their kids. They're buying artwork for their um, for their homes, for their family members, those mob in Canberra that make way too much member- money that can, you know, <laughs> buy, buy artwork for family members. Like... So I must say, my, yeah, my fans in among the people that I know who now know what I do is actually kind of growing, which has been, it's been really nice actually over the last few years to see friends actually really support what I do. How do you deal with your inner critic? Uh, well, like I was saying, you know, I've talked about it a bit with the social media. Is that your critic? Uh, if I finish something and I don't like it, I always know that there, that somebody out there will. So there's a part of me that really has to let go of artworks like that. Like I'm very good at finishing an artwork and letting it go, letting it go, because that's all about the sharing of the story. But if I finish an artwork and there's like a, 
a Bergerk moment in it. It's just like too like contrasting for my eye. And I'm like, oh, gross. I really hate that about that. I guarantee you I will see it hanging in a gallery in like a month or something and someone will go, oh, my God, I love this artwork. I love this contrast. And you're just like, I cannot even look at that work. <laughs> but the story is the same. But they just, it's so funny what people want. Like you, my inner critic when it comes to work, uh, to artworks is like, nah, the story's there. That's my creation of giving that and handing that story to them. If they like it, that's on them. <laughs> but in life, my inner critic never stops. But I think that's what drives me. It keeps me moving. It keeps me evolving and moving with the times. Like nothing's going to stop for me get, having a whinge. So I just got to move with it. If you could work in the studio alongside any other artist for a day, dead or alive, who would it be? You know what? This is the easiest question for me to answer and you'll know why. It's got to be my sister and my dad. Obviously, one of them has passed and my sister lives in New Zealand, so I haven't seen her in years. And there was such a synergy when we all, for that short amount of time, would be in the, in the studio together. I don't want to cry right now. But I was going to capture say, that again. I, yeah. To capture that again would be, I can't even imagine, honestly. I do miss them both a bit. <laughs> Don't tell Therese, though. <laughs> I've been hiding it from her. <laughs> but, yes, definitely share a studio with those two mad things, even for 24 hours. Oh, my gosh. The, the creations and the dance moves. Who could hold it in? I tell you. Who's the best dancer? Oh, uh, Therese will definitely say her, but that's that dancing you don't want to look at, but you can't look away. Whereas dad was like even more disturbing because it's like, wh why? And I would just two-step in the corner because it's just not even worth trying to get involved. I tell you. <laughs> oh, God, that is so good. Uh, what kind of, is there music playing? What kind of music's playing? Oh, so those guys are really into dance music really into dance music because it's just like that really big motivating yeah which I'm more like I enjoy that in the gym in like I'm that terrible person in my studio I'm like all about podcasts all about talkback radio way too involved in stuff I, I'm just I'm shocking like that way too involved what's the one thing in your studio you can't go without uh that one has got to be mess it's like my studio table can get cleaned up and that, but like the kids, my studio is like half where I work, half where I can see the kids not destroying the rest of the house. And I also get very emotional about thinking of when they're both at school or they grow up and that's going to go. Like I love it. I love that I have to walk to the back door over 15 fire trucks and like I can't imagine my studio without it. I, I really can't imagine, you know, without my little tiny three-year-old coming, giving me a kiss and telling me he's my friend or this weird drawing on the wall that one of the kids did down here one day. I just can't imagine my studio without that kind of hectic madness. Without the chaos. Or the skink lizard that is cruising across the floor over there. There's a lizard. That must be the one that I found in my bra earlier. I'm not even kidding. That was the weirdest thing that happened to me today. I found a lizard in my bra and I can see it cruising along now. It's probably trying to get outside. Before you the put your bra on or as you put your bra on? Uh, no, after. Have a look at my story today. You will, like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what is that? I thought it was a hair. And I've looked down and there's a, no, a lizard, a lizard on my boob. I was like, what? 
But that's what happens when yesterday the boys had about four lizards that they caught outside. They've brought them inside and they've obviously escaped. So that'll be a fun week or so for me. You'll have to, when the boys go to school, you have to be like, please walk through the studio before you go to school, throw a few toys around, and then I will feel yeah. right for the day. Yeah, they'll be like, Mum, I'm 19. I think I'm over this. <laughs> <laughs> Mum's a mess. <laughs> what was your last art store splurge? Um, amazing thing about having management. So he, he sends me all my paints and all my canvas all ready to go. So I've got all that sorted. So I bought... One of those deadly tripods with the, the with the, the the circle ring to make me look glowing and beautiful, in case I needed to do these kinds of interviews. You know, oh, no one's going to see me on this, but if they did, you guys should know I'm just this beautiful. You're glowing. Like, yeah, I'm just you're so beautiful, Sarita. <laughs> Best investment you've made this year. Best investment yeah, you've made. Definitely catfishing everyone across the art waves. <laughs> What was one thing you wish you had known before you got into the art game? I wish I'd known this was going to be my career, to be honest. Like, I did not see this on the horizon. Anyone that I see from back in school is like, did you even take art? No. It's just I think I'm a storyteller. Like, I'm a storyteller and that's probably why I got sucked into it. I love it. I love connecting. I love getting out there. But I did not know that this was even a possibility for me. Like, if I told, yeah, that... You know, 16, 17-year-old netballer that, oh, P.S., you're going to be an artist in 15 years. They'd be like, yeah, false. I'm more likely to be a tax accountant or something. List, lists for days. Oh, lists for lists days. Lists for days. <laughs> or a politician. I'm pretty bad like that too. It can get pretty ranty, believe it or not. I, I would love a family dinner, see a family dinner with you guys. Oh. <laughs> I know the dynamic is out. I would you would probably be like, is Serena even here? If my sister was at the table, my mum, I'd probably just sit there like, don't even worry about <laughs> it. We're all pretty mad. Oh my goodness, Sarita King, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you. I'm a longtime lover of your work. I'm so glad we got to chat. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for your time today. It's been fun. I hope I wasn't too. I don't know, crazy, and I think I, I think I sucked to the point. So <laughs> you <laughs> were great for all, everyone. <laughs>